If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One. And we are recording with the man himself, Dr. Peter McCullough, who got me permanently banned from YouTube almost a year ago. Episode 861. Thursday, July 14th, 2022 at 10.09 a.m. Eastern Time. Dr. McCullough, author of The Courage to Face COVID-19. He beat me to it with the book over his shoulder. Check out the interview I did with him and the author, John Leake. It's an awesome book. It's terrifying. if It's terrifyingly awesome. But Dr. McCullough, let's just jump right on into it. What are your updates? What is BA5? Should we be terrified and should we crawl into a hole and lock down the globe again? Yeah, why don't we start with a clinical update? So uh, the clinical update is that the virus continues to mutate. Uh, We're still in the Omicron family, and the Omicron was the highly uh, mutated form. Remember from wild type to alpha, beta, gamma, delta, you know, there was a few mutations. I mean, delta was big news because it was seven mutations. You know, here, you know, we have dozens and dozens of mutations, and so it allows for subvariants. And the subvariants that are most successful in finding new you know, hosts will dominate. And right now we're in the BA5 uh, subvariant, um, in a sense, secondary Omicron wave. Uh, it's largely the vaccinated, either partially vaccinated or fully vaccinated who are contracting it. There, there are a, a few unvaccinated people left who uh, are still susceptible, but they're few and far between. Our CDC has said 82% of Americans have taken one of these products. And that means only 18% are untouched. And of those 18, many have already had the illness once or twice. So they're just not of any significance. Uh, We heard a video yesterday that uh, Tedros at the WHO said he wanted to to basically find, they need to go out and find the unvaccinated. It's not that many people to find. So is there any logic, because there was a headline yesterday, I believe, that was running that said we shouldn't wait for updated boosters. You should go out and be safe now because BA5 is tearing through society. Is there any logic to that? No, it's a mild syndrome. Uh, This is what I've noticed in my clinical practice, and clearly multiple people have reported. um, I I had uh, interviewed Dr. for the McCullough Report this weekend. She's seen thousands of patients in Central Texas, Tommy. It's changed. It doesn't lead with respiratory symptoms. It leads with a sore throat, just like a common cold does. It's sore throat, then it's nasal congestion, a fever typically in the first day or so. It's a mild syndrome for whether or not someone has taken a vaccine or if they're unvaccinated, it's a mild syndrome. It tends to be particularly mild if someone has had one of the prior versions uh, all the way through Delta. It's characteristically mild. And there's a paper from Qatar. Their first author is Kimatelli. And Kimatelli showed that there's over 90% protection against any risk of hospitalization and death if one has had a prior version of the virus. So we can really uh, be assured. And I can tell you, a young person your age, you've already had it. Uh, I've already had it. Uh, you know, there's a 0% chance we could ever end up in the hospital with a BA5 infection. If we had it, 
it would be indistinguishable from the common cold. I think one of the clinical questions that come up right now is, should we keep doing testing? Or is this just like a cold and we don't do testing for a cold? Do you think that that is the, I mean, I walked by wall, I was in Walmart yesterday and there's an entire wall of COVID-19 tests and people are lining up to grab them, but completely asymptomatic people. It's the middle of July. They're all fine. Is it, is this just a situation or a scenario of constantly looking, you know, you look in the mirror, you'll find a pimple. If you're looking for one, you'll find one. Is this just a case of that? Just we're looking, looking, looking with a microscope. We're going to find it eventually. Right. Remember that the, the uh, rapid antigen tests have not really been uh, tested well against the common cold. <clears throat> I'm suspicious that other coronaviruses are turning this test positive. And, uh, you know, people, it's, they're so readily available now. Uh, I can't figure it out, but uh, FedEx landed at my house, Tommy, and there were 15 of these rapid antigen tests. And I looked and they all came from China. And I, my wife and I couldn't figure out who sent them. Uh, but I wonder if if households are being carpet bombed with a rapid antigen test, because I asked my my sister-in-law, I said, hey, do you want to take them home? Her husband's got uh, immune compromised and other problems. But she goes, oh, no, we got 15 of them, too. I said, well, who's sending these things? Is, are people being carpet bombed with tests? And is this all to really drive fear in the pandemic with this uh, incessant drive to have testing? I can tell you, unless there's something that's really distinctive at this point in time or some new wrinkle or feature. Um, I, I'm in the mindset to not test and just behave like it's a common cold. It does more and more than usual. It's starting to seem like a psyop. It's starting to seem like a psychological operation. It, it seems like it has a PR department to keep dropping these. Someone sent it, anyone else, me or someone, I would say that, I don't know, maybe it's just some like government funded, I don't know. You, I don't know, kind of sounds like somebody's pranking you because you're Dr. McCullough. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, it, remember in, in Nazi Germany, there was no Twitter. There was no Facebook. I mean, they used to drop leaflets over the islands of Japan. How, how could they set the mindset towards Nazism? And right now we're, we're basically, instead of having leaflets dropped, we're having rapid antigen tests arrive at our doorstep like we're supposed to do something with them. And, uh, and it's uh, driving this uh, fury on on testing. Uh, what we need to do is just focus on hospitalization and death. And, and on hospitalization, we need to ask the question, do they have respiratory COVID? Are in the hospital for COVID? Or are, are they in the hospital for some other reason with COVID? And my interpretation, as I look more carefully at the data, is the vast majority of, quote, COVID hospitalizations, they're in there for other reasons, and they're just testing positive. I know in our center, I talked to our lead person for the advanced support what's called ECMO or extracorporeal membrane oxygenation. I said, hey, do we have any COVID patients? He said, well, we have one. He said, but he's in here because of motor vehicle trauma and you know, serious heart and lung problems. And he's just testing positive. He doesn't, have, you know, he doesn't have COVID. And one of the things to point out, Tommy, is that when people have COVID, they intermittently test positive for months afterwards. So there is a penumbra, if you will, of positive testing that occurs afterwards. So if someone's had COVID, in April, and they're in the hospital right now because they've, uh, you know, they've got gout or something else, and they've taken another test and they test positive. It's likely because it, it's a residual test positive from April, not a not a new case, unless there's any characteristic features of the syndrome. So I think because so many people have had it, we're just having post syndromic positive tests drive this uh, statistical wave.
Yeah, when I went to the about two months ago, when I went to the hospital for my concussion, it's one of the things they wanted to do. They wanted want to make they did a CT scan, got to make sure there's no internal you know bleeding in your brain. All right, that's important. Like, and would you like a COVID test? And I was like, no, wait, what? No, I'm, I'm here for a head injury. But it, that that does seem, in my limited non medical degree view, that does seem to be the point is just to keep driving it, and which kind of moves towards the vaccine. We just purchased, we, the United States government, I believe we just purchased another $2 billion worth of Pfizer boosters. Is it the same booster for the Alpha variant? And if so, what, what is the purpose of, of continually using these? If, it's, if we're now at BA5, if we're, what, two years and eight months into this thing? President Biden announced 130-plus million more doses purchased for a fall campaign pre-purchased. And, you know, I'm assuming it's the original vaccine, which is coded actually not against Alpha Tommy, it's actually against the WIV, the Wuhan uh, 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 viral strain. Yeah, yeah. Wuhan Institute of Virology strain, WIV. And uh, it's actually uh, coded against that. It's called the wild type strike, but it's really not wild. It didn't arise in the wild. The term that's used up in my Twitter feed, I've gone ahead and reviewed the seminal papers by Mena Cherry. There's two, one in Nature Medicine and one in uh, PLOS or New York Academy of Sciences. Uh, but it's basically how the virus was made. And, and, and they described how they took the backbone, the benign backbone, and then loaded the code for the lethal spike protein, how they uh, engineered mice to have human ACE2 receptors in order to make sure that they could damage the lungs and the mice. It's all there. It's on my Twitter feed. These papers are all there. And I think the best overall reference is Peter Bregan, COVID-19 and the Global Prez, We Are the Prey. There's 1,100 citations. And uh, in the Bregan book, uh, uh, those of you who are interested in really following the development of this, Bregan points out that uh, there are, uh, I've got the, the statistics here, there were 36 pandemic preparedness planning exercises, 36, 25 of which generated documents you can review and just say, listen, how they planned for a coronavirus pandemic. And then six of them were actually public meetings where they had filming. And you know, if you want to see Ashish Jha in action uh, before COVID, actually I'm planning for it. Or the, uh, the director for the Chinese CDC uh, coming over to America and getting ready for COVID pandemic. It's all there. So what Bregan says is that it's all in the open, uh, how this was planned. And there was always planning for the, the emergence of the pathogen. That's what Menacheri says in his papers, the emergence of the pathogen and then the countermeasure, which is the vaccine. They were developed together in parallel. Now there's a paper uh, from Tsang and colleagues from University of Texas Medical Branch in Galveston in 2006, they were working on uh, a SARS strain, and they are working at SARS strain and vaccine simultaneously. So it's been going on a long time. So let's <clears throat> let's, and this is just my my habitual uh, addiction on this podcast is playing devil's advocate, even if I don't support the the devil's advocacy position. But let's play devil's advocate. So. There are things that are planning. There's often things, um, a book I've plugged a million times. It's my favorite book, uh, Raven Rock, how the U.S. government plans to save itself for the rest of its diets by Garrett Graff is the best-selling book on Audible in 2019. 
It's all about continuity of government from FDR through, I think it was written during Obama or maybe Trump. And it's all about, it's all about the nuclear bunkers, the big ones you've heard of NORAD, um, uh, Mount Weather, Raven Rock, Greenbrier Hotel, all that good stuff. We have a, a, thousands of documents that are all for specific things. I mean, all the way back to Eisenhower, they would do these drills called uh, like Applejack and Opal, where they would say, all right, um, uh, nuclear attack today on the White House. We're whisking you to this location. And then they'd, he'd have his right hand guy and they'd open up a suitcase and here are the documents. This is what we would do. We would seize this. We would shut down these highways. Uh, Defense Authorization Act would take over this. We would now be so in many senses, I mean, pre 9-11, there were I mean, the Patriot Act was was sitting on the shelf. There are two ways to look at it. And it's is this there? And we were waiting for it to happen. We're just, you know, we're being prepared. Right. I, I have a backup Internet connection. I record the podcast on two things. I have it on multiple hard drives. I'm I'm prepared for it to all go down or and this is where I tend to lean towards and agreeing with you. Was it intentional? And we're setting this whole thing up and is it not a coincidence, but rather, hey, I uh, I also own a hard drive company. So if your hard drives go down, wink, wink, you're going to need these. Do you think it's more that? OK, it was I, 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 yeah, I see where you're going with this. Um, you know, I do think uh, it is about preparedness, sure. uh, to be honest. And so we've had preparedness programs. We have a very extensive smallpox preparedness program. And since smallpox covers monkeypox, this has been going on for a long time. You know, development of the Genios vaccine, that that Nordic Bavarian vaccine, double-stranded vaccine, that's been preparedness in case there's a smallpox outbreak or, or bioterrorism. Uh, T-pox or ticovirumab, that's actually to protect us against uh, smallpox. Uh, we've actually, in 2003, uh, we're using an earlier version of a smallpox vaccine. We actually uh, tried to vaccinate 250,000 uh, service members. That was published in JAMA. Some of them developed myocarditis, by the way, Tommy. So this is well documented. The CDC has a monkeypox response team, a very large number of people. They've been working on this. They've been planning meetings for monkeypox. Clearly, coronavirus, uh, as Bregan points out, there was tremendous planning for this. Um, and, and you could say, uh, in the fairest sense, the creation of SARS-CoV-2 was to get us prepared to do something about it in case it did. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, 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 come out of a lab or was used for nefarious intent. So, uh, you know, I'm okay with with all of that preparedness. What I'm not okay is what you are getting to uh, at the very end of your setup on the question, and that is actually CEPI, uh, the, Coali the Coalition for Prepared, uh, uh, Epidemic Preparedness uh, eva uh, Evaluation Intervention, CEPI. Uh, uh, in CEPI, what CEPI said is, it's a business, that this is a business model. There will be pandemics. We're going to be in the business of uh, organizing the rapid development of vaccines. So it's World Economic Forum, Gates Foundation, Wellcome Trust, the government of India, the government of Norway. Many other stakeholders came in, 
multi-billion dollar budget, multi-billion dollar budget. Uh, CEPI uh, has connections uh, to all kinds of development funds. And so as long as an emergency is declared, literally at that time, treasuries can be drained and they are drained. So in the United States, we've literally had this drain on the U.S. treasuries. Your 10% of GDP just injected in on COVID testing and relief money, countermeasure monies, vaccines. Uh, there's no end to it. It's just Biden administration or Trump administration announces something and massive amounts of money are spent with, with no reconciliation, no budgeting. No, you, you, don't, you don't hear about the Office of uh, of budget reconciliation now. There's just nothing. It's, it's, it's wide open because it's an emergency. A Biden administration is expected, I think, today or tomorrow to extend the emergency, and they will uh, now that we're in this uh, BA5 next wave, which is another bona fide wave. Um, so uh, we are in a situation where clearly Bregan is correct. There are predators, and they are capitalizing on it financially, and there's others that are just um, hemorrhaging in, in terms of their suffrage. Now, to play devil's advocate on my devil's advocate, I will now go against my earlier point. All of those things I talked about are all highly, highly classified. You can read the ones under Eisenhower, the ones under JFK. Most of them are still classified. That's how secretive there are. There's three layers, continuity of government under that continuity of operations. And beneath that is enduring constitutional freedom. Or, excuse me, during constitutional government. These are things where, again, the Eisenhower, they set up czars where you would take control of uh, of the, the car manufacturing business because we would use that for war production. You would take control of this. You would, It was all highly classified, still is classified, and there was no money being made. It was returning in, returning the entire nation into this, this wartime machine. The difference with this is... Not only is it not classified, it's right out right out there. Like you said, you can go out and see, you know, you know, during the next pandemic or when this happens, when there is a COVID outbreak and they're running these, what was it, the spars, they know it's coming. And then the other thing is, is with all these 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 sweeping acts that you could sign during a, a nuclear war or a biological war, again, it was it was government seizing these businesses to produce what they needed. There was no profit margin. There was nothing. This is where I'm going against my earlier statement because it's not it's not private. There's tons of money to be made. And the things under Eisenhower and JFK are still in place. These popped up two years later. It's been, what, 77 years since we dropped an A-bomb and we still haven't gone into all of those measures. That is what makes the hair on my neck stand up because you see them going when there is a coronavirus pandemic and then all of a sudden, there's a coronavirus pandemic and we got to have an EUA for this. Oh, by the way, there's a massive pro- uh, profit margin. What are we not going to use? Ivermectin, vitamin D, that whole rabbit hole that got me permanently banned from YouTube. Thanks to Dr. McCullough. That is what I'm looking at this as. And that's, again, not to shamelessly plug your book, but the biopharmaceutical complex. That's what it is, is it's a complex. It's And when the money starts being made, there's no reason to shut it down. Why would you want to shut it down? When you you said just draining treasuries, just the emergency release valve, just turn that thing and let the trillions blow out. That's what's happening. They have incentive to not only not stop, but to keep it going and go to so far as creating new variants. Well, yeah, it's either creating new variants or just by the process of 
mass vaccination, letting hyperdominant variant after hyperdominant variant advance. Now, two papers, one by Aditi and the other one by uh, Wheatley in 2021, uh, in the title of the papers, they use the term immune imprinting. And immune imprinting says, if you keep giving the same vaccine every six months and you train the immune system on the original wild type uh, uh, WIV virus, the, 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 the Wuhan Institute of Virology virus, you keep training it on that spike protein, the immune system is not ready to adapt to actually recognize uh, Omicron BA5. And so uh, immune imprinting says, listen, these people are going to have a rougher syndrome. Uh, the more shots they take, uh, they're going to have a longer syndrome. We know now the CDC put out a health advisory May 24th that they're going to have Paxlovid rebound. Paxlovid, <coughs> not a bad drug. I use it in my clinical practice, but good Lord, this rebound is real. They go on a five-day course of Paxlovid, they get better for a while, and then it actually gets worse. And that's because of this immune imprinting. The immune system is not ready to just clear out the virus. Now, if you take an unvaccinated person and they go through the McCullough protocol and we hit the virus in three different ways and we use ivermectin and, and, and nasal washes and, and, and corticosteroids and nutraceuticals and supplements and we aspirin and we, we just kind of nail it about four to six drugs, boom, you're done in about five days or so. Uh, you know, 10 days for uh, an older person. And, and rarely I'll go 30 days in a senior citizen. Now I'm taking young people who have Paxlovid rebound and they feel terrible. They're not infectious anymore, but they feel, and I've, I'm using like 30 days of hydroxychloroquine with prednisone. And I'm having to do all kinds of things. And it's because the vaccine is making it worse. It's making it harder to treat. On a side note, I did want to say uh, my, my mom is 64 and and uh, she used your protocol, I want to say like two months ago, and she was better within, I think, three days. And then another uh, woman I'm friends with who's been on this podcast before is 81, and she used your protocol and was better in about 36 hours, which is insane. Well, Tommy, you know, there's no substitute for that personal experience you know, one of my one of my most enjoyable interviews when I go on is Sebastian Gorka and he booms a voice and he said, oh, God, COVID. And like President Trump, I took hydroxychloroquine and I got better <laughs> and I'm not taking the vaccine. And it's like, you know, you got to love it. It's that personal experience. Recently, uh, John Leake, my co-author, uh, got COVID. And so here he is. And I said, here we go, John McCullough protocol. We, my wife's, us, we, uh, you know, we, we shuttle over all the right drugs. We do all the right things. And Leek has this amazing, he felt pretty sick. You know, he's, he's overweight. He felt pretty sick uh, uh, initially. And then he gets this rapid improvement. Now he's up in Colorado hiking the mountains and he, he's, he's convinced. He says, he says, there's no way he goes, even a cold doesn't get better this fast. He goes, this multi-drug approach really works. So he's convinced. And and that's and like most things in life, that's what it is. It's that it's that direct experience. It's like one of those uh, those like vacuum sealed thermoses where you're like, why would I spend fifty dollars on a thermos? And then like you leave ice in it, and you can leave it on your driveway in Georgia for two days, and then pick it up and clink, and you go, oh, that actually works. Yeah. And so that's cool. That goes you. Oh, I want to get that. What I've seen with this is you have people who either didn't ever doubt the protocol, or they did, and they kind of came around to it. Or they outright made fun of it until they until someone that they love, maybe they're 31 like me, and they're like, I mean, I don't care. I've, I've had COVID twice. 
but maybe it's their grandma. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And they do, they have that moment, like you say, where they go, oh, oh my, oh my God, this got better so quickly. And then it starts to dawn on them that over a million Americans are dead. And you go, how many people's mothers got COVID and they're going, yeah, you know, rest in peace, mom. Instead, I'm going, yeah, no, my mom's healthy as a horse. She's out swimming in a lake, right. running marathons, doing whatever the hell she does. Crazy Irish woman. It's there are so many people out there that are going, oh, the protocol does work. Somebody knew it worked and somebody suppressed it. Right. So, yeah. So that's really the story in our book that uh, we knew it worked. My, Vladimir Zelenko knew it worked. Didier Rialt knew it worked. George Fareed knew it worked. And we did everything we could. Ron Johnson knew it worked. Uh, um, uh, 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 Peter Navarro in the White House knew it worked. Trump knew it worked. So, uh, you know, there was this clear and still is today, this syndicate to suppress any forms of early treatment. Even we've actually added a chapter to the book, Tommy. Do you know that all the nasal wash manufacturers have been slammed by the FDA and the FTC? been slammed. Some of them, they try to drive these guys out of business because they're using nasal washes, nasal washes that are completely benign. So uh, John spent some time with one of the CEOs of the companies, and it's just, uh, it's astonishing. Anything that would help somebody is being suppressed at all levels in order to railroad the population into mass vaccination. And um, yeah, and and for reference, I, I, I always mess it up. 425,000 Americans were killed in World War II, not casualties, killed. There's over, over a million killed from COVID. And Okay, yeah, so let's, let, let, I wanted to pick up on this. So what did you say, 425 in WW? 425,000 in World War II. In I'm World sure. War II, 58,000 in Vietnam. Uh, this kind of gives people some point of reference. Um, I, I have testified twice now in the U.S. Senate, including co-moderating the January 24th, 2022 with Ron Johnson in five hours. So I, have, have, yeah, I think the one person who has more Senate experience than me that is Pierre Corey. But I've testified twice now in the Texas Senate, uh, multiple state Senates. So I have a lot of under oath, you know, questioning and, and experience. And now looking backwards based on when discoveries were made and implemented and when people could have had a fair chance of getting the treatment. My official estimate is that two thirds of that million number of deaths could have been spared. Now the hospitalizations run 10 to one compared to death. So that means there's 10 million hospitalizations. And I would say, you know, 670,000 of the hospitalizations were uh, avoidable. Now, that's because there was a discovery phase and, and we had to learn how to do this. You know, at the very beginning, we didn't know when those big waves are happening in New York, we didn't know uh, the, the value of corticosteroids, for instance. So now going forward with everything that we have, and you know, I give credit to Paxlovid, Molnupiravir. I, 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 I am uh, someone very experienced in using all the drugs across the board. I, I do not have any bias towards a particular drug that... Um, that right now, going forward, 95% of 
a future hospitalization or death is completely avoidable with early treatment. And there's no excuses. There, is, there are, should be no excuses at this point in time. We're into year three. And so, you know, patients and doctors, and there's no excuses on the patient side and no excuses on the doctor side. So let's take the patient side first. Typical call again, Dr. McCullough, I got COVID. And I'll say, okay, go ahead and start the nasal washes and start the over-the-counter bundle of the McCullough protocol. Oh, where do I get the povidone iodine? Where do I get the peroxide? And here they are, they're sick with COVID and they're gonna start their shopping list. And it's like, you know, can you get a shoebox ahead of time and just get these things? Um, I was gonna say, well, that's one thing I did. I knew, I knew, and hey, in full dis- full disclosure, yes, although Dr. McCullough is selling this book, neither he nor, he nor I are selling these supplements, full disclosure. These are generic things, but the, the clip that got me banned, Vitamin D, uh, zinc, turmeric, quercetin, and acetylcysteine. When I got banned for that, that's when I went. Okay, that's when I went out. I think I used I think I used Walmart, and then I found something called Swans. But I found them, and I remember finding them last summer. And I purposely bought like the three hundred and sixty five pill bottles because I said like these are going to be banned one day. I got them, and that's the reason why that that clip got me banned, or that episode got me banned, was because I specifically clipped that one thing and it wasn't you and i talking about the vaccine it wasn't you and i talking about any incendiary or political or whatever thing i took that and i purposely put that one clip out there because maybe not everyone's going to watch an hour interview and i was like 30 second clip i put this out there and i put it out there because a lot of the guests i have on this show are double my age and some of them completely disagree with me on my stance on the covid vax but i remember texting it to them and i was like hey regardless of vax i was like go get these at walmart it's going to cost you about seven dollars and a lot of them like Hey, man, I, I do appreciate that. You know, my dad's 90. I'll, I'll get him on that. Thanks to him. I'm like, yeah, dude, I got you. Like all the other political bullshit aside, here you go. That's the thing that got me banned. And that is why I got all my aunts and all my uncles, all of their 60s and 70s. That's why I got all of them on it. That's why I've been on it. That's why I've been giving everyone this because it is the nutraceutical thing that you need to take beforehand. If you don't do anything and then you wind up with COVID, well, now you're at a much trickier spot to where are you going to get ivermectin? Where are you going to get hydroxychloroquine? That is where it gets hairy. Right. So, t- Tommy, though, the point is on the OTC, the over-the-counter bundle, to be specific, um, you know, zinc 50 milligrams a day, vitamin C 3,000 milligrams, vitamin D3 5,000 international units a day in acute treatment. We up to 20,000 units a day Jeez. for five days. And do you know when I started doing that? That's when I went out to dinner with Dermot O'Flynn. Dermot O'Flynn is the personal doctor of Eric Clapton. So we had dinner and uh, I had a chance to hang out with these really cool guys. Uh, and, um, and I learned that, he said, listen, we don't have much in the UK, so we have to rely on the nutraceuticals. And then uh, quercetin, 500 milligrams twice a day. And famotidine, famotidine is a drug. It is pepsid. It's an antacid at a low dose, but at a higher dose, it's an antihistamine, and it blocks viral replication through the temporis 2 receptor. And in a recent paper by Mura and colleagues from University of Virginia, Tommy, those who took famotidine plus aspirin, which we recommend for everybody because it's a blood thinner, aspirin plus famotidine, 20,000 patients study, there was a 45% risk reduction in progression of uh, disease, need for oxygenation or mechanical ventilation. I have to tell you, just the OTC bundle, you know, the nasal washes above that dilute hydrogen peroxide, dilute povidone iodine. Now, there's about an 80 to 90%, you know, 
reduction in PCR positivity by day three, you basically you become non-contagious. Who wouldn't want to do that instead of spreading it around their family? I mean, we should do that for contagion control. The virucidal nasal wash is supported by 12 studies, three large randomized trials, the Chowdhury trials the lead. And I, you know, I have to tell you, it's and the nasal washes work for the common cold. You know, I will never travel again without a little spray bottle of dilute povidone iodine, just half a teaspoon uh, in, in 1.5 ounces of water and pinch of salt and put it in a little spray bottle and keep it with you when you travel. Because you're on the plane, you don't know if you feel a bit viral, you go to the hotel, just uh, squirt it up the nose, sniff it back and then spit it out, do it over the sink. Uh, gargling with Listerine or Scope is fine. And gargling, the trick there, Tommy, is to gargle for 30 seconds. A lot of people can't do that. Gargle for 30 seconds and let it go where it hurts, where it hurts. It actually has to hurt because the, the, the gargle is actually hitting the inflamed areas where the virus is. These techniques work, Tommy. I used to get a common cold and it would be two weeks of coughing, hacking. Then I get some asthma afterwards. Now I got a common cold's down about two and a half days. And it's just because I'm better at it. COVID made me better in managing the common cold. And that, again, is what is so <clears throat> demonic about this is the to shut down what you can go buy at Walmart or CVS. You can have delivered via Instacart in 30 minutes. That's one thing. But the next thing, I'm lucky. I have this podcast. I've become friends with you. I've become friends with Dr. Fareed, Dr. Ursa, Dr. Nass, Dr. Malone. It's awesome. Everyone in my family is, is a doctor or a nurse. And not only that, I'm 31 and relatively healthy. I'm lucky in that I'm like, I do these podcasts and hey, this is what Ivermectin does, you know, uh, Dr. Freed and uh, Dr. Tyson talking about all this. It is, it's heartbreaking though, when people reach out to me and they'll text me and they'll be like, hey, I don't, I don't want my friends to think I'm a conspiracy theorist, but hey man, like my, my dad's 70 and he just got COVID. Like, where do I get ivermectin? And I'm like, you, like, you should. And, and I, I condone them. I'm like, I, this is what I know. This is where you can go. I don't. But it's terrifying that they have to reach out to me, a 31 year old wearing slippers in an apartment doing a podcast when you should be going to a white coat doctor like yourself with degrees behind you the whole nine yards. Instead, you got to reach out to, no, there's this guy and, you know, he's not even on YouTube. He's on Rumble. It's this whole, but they have to reach out to me and they're pushed to do so because when all of a sudden it comes to their front door and they realize that their loved ones are at risk of dying, then they have to reach out to me. And looks like we have a surprise guest joining us. And I think this is Dr. Robert Malone, but Dr. McCullough, there he is. Dr. McCullough. What, Dr. Malone? Hi, Tommy. How are you? I'm doing very good. How are you, sir? Oh, it's a three ring circus. Okay. I'm, I'm, Looks uh... like he's just had a hard night of gambling in Vegas, Tommy. And gosh <laughs> knows what else happened there. It's Sin City. But whatever happens in Vegas, we know it'll stay there. Doctor, Dr. Malone's out there. He's he's gambling with Xi Jinping and the guys from Wuhan. Dr. Malone. He's with, the, he's with the high stakes globalists at the table he's, he's trying to hold his own. He's out there with his, his blink twice of Clash Schwab's in the room. What, what I'm out here with is rampant uh, gout um, hobbling around, oh. barely able to walk. Oh, terrible. <laughs> it sounds and like- Vegas is the worst place because you have to walk miles on those gouty joints. Uh, 
That's going to be torture. And golf's one of the few things. Golf's one of the few forms of arthritis. The more you exercise on it, the worse it gets. Yeah. It's actually. Uh, Yeah. Our little little foray down to the state house did me no good at all. Um, So. And then as if that wasn't good enough, uh, the, the schlep on the plane out here to Vegas and then wandering around that massive airport in Vegas trying to find my ride. In any case, I'm whining. Is it- well, you know, what we did is we the first half, we gave a clinical update. I think we're through with that, Tommy. Why don't we get into more of the policy and legislative update now? Uh, Dr. Malone's got a lot of new news for us, uh, meeting with uh, various uh, legislative and judicial stakeholders. Take it away, Dr. Malone. Well, so, uh, yeah, there seems to be a lot of things that are all coming to fore all at once. And uh, we have the picture in the United States, and then we have more of a global picture. And, of course, you're aware of the various pronouncements coming out of Health and Human Service in the United States regarding the BA, uh, let's call it simply BA.5 or Ninja Omicron variant, uh, which they're using to justify. By the way, BA.4, which was supposed to be one of the antigens in the trivalent that they've already purchased for $3.2 billion, even though they haven't made it and they're not going to clinically test it. And for some reason, uh, I just can't understand, they want to deploy it immediately before the election. Um, uh, yeah, uh, so um, the VA4 is already gone. VA5 is rampant. Uh, Tony has given a statement to the press in which he's advocating for indoor mask use. Uh, and um, there is the usual fear porn getting spun up now about this new variant, which is essentially a cold, except as you may have already covered, for those that are highly jabbed, the highly vaccinated seem to be the ones globally that are getting the severe disease and are contributing uh, vastly to the mortality uh, from the BA5. So this is a disease of the highly vaccinated increasingly. then we have what, I, what I've done over this last week uh, is to try to put a lid on this, really dove into the international data about BA.5. And what you're seeing is uh, in the United States, our mortality as well as our incidence is uh, high relative to much of the world. Um, we, in South Africa, BA.5 is already clearing out the incidence is dropping. The mortality never got that big because they are a very uh, uh, lightly vaxxed, I think is the most gentle way to put it, um, uh, population. And of those, I'm told by my South African friends that the use of vaccine surrogate vaccine cards that are uh, really just represent uh, some uh, compliance without actually having received the jab uh, is widespread. It's kind of almost universal. So uh, they were quickly able to suppress BA.5. And that probably has to do with a lot of their natural immunity. In contrast, the incidence in uh, New Zealand has got the prime minister there uh, really alarmed. uh, Because what's fascinating about New Zealand, which is now one of the worst 
um, in the world in terms of the morbidity and mortality from BA5, as well as the incidence. Remember, New Zealand was uh, very successful in implementing very harsh island, uh, you know, Pacific Rim type quarantine processes, uh, policies, and they kept the virus largely out. Then they went through and their highly vaccinated population. And, you know, but this level of virus pressure just can't be released. There are those that relieve. There's those that think that this thing may even be airborne to some extent. And uh, whatever the case is, it got into New Zealand and it's tearing through the population. And uh, they are in crisis phase right now and talking about implementing even more drastic measures. Uh, and that it's really a great example of the interplay between uh, vaccination against a single antigen, which is the uh, typical spike-based vaccines, versus the natural immunity. And, and probably Peter's covered this paper uh, just recently out from Qatar that shows that the natural immunity, even against uh, Omicron, is persisting for at least 14 months. Um, as opposed to this very short-lived uh, boost that they're getting from the uh, various vaccines. Now, another key uh, thing that we all should be aware of is the FDA just last night has authorized Moderna to proceed. Um, but, the, but the big, big picture that we all have to kind of keep our eyes on is that we are facing some major global uh, economic events that are coming at us and uh, we've all been worried about this coming through. Uh, and we've talked about the interplay between the global economic situation and the fear porn and the uh, virus itself. That now seems to be coming to play. So there's, we've been told uh, over the last week that there's a major diaspora from Germany heading down to South Africa. The German economy, the wheels are coming off. Um, in, I was told that the German government has been telling the population to literally go into the forest and collect firewood to stay warm this winter, that you cannot buy a wood-burning stove for love or money right now in Germany. And then this morning, just Jill did a search, and I think it was in the Telegraph, uh, there's a confirmatory uh, article about the German government advising that the population should gather firewood to get through the winter. Um, what, what we're seeing is unprecedented. I just got a, I was off a phone call just a few minutes ago with a fellow who lives in Whistler, uh, Canada. You can't get meat there anymore. Uh, it, we are seeing a cascading effect and the vaccine and virus and all that are just part of it. But getting back on point, there, there is uh, now, I think, coming to a point where the data are becoming overwhelming about the uh, risks associated with the vaccine. Uh, parents, uh, there was a Politico story this morning. Uh, parents are not having their children vaccinated uh, to the, quote, alarm, I think, uh, as Politico put it, of some physicians, unnamed, unquantitated, uh, really more fear porn, you know, good credit to where credit's due, parents are listening, and they're not jabbing their kids. And then we have this uh, whole nested set of things 
about policies in DC and uh, what that all means. And I think what, with this quick attempt to wrap up some of the key headlines, uh, the segue uh, that Dr. McCullough was suggesting has to do with uh, the positioning that's happening now, really the major change that's in progress that is catalyzed in large part by the Supreme Court relating to putting a leash on the administrative state, which I think the data now are really clear that what we have is in fact an inverse totalitarian situation in which the senior executive service and the administrative state have been driving the bus. Biden et al. are basically captured by the administrative state. The administrative state has been partnering with the big corporations and back up through them up to the WEF. I think the picture of how this, the big picture of how this is all integrated now is becoming more and more and more clear. And uh, the case uh, uh, regarding uh, West Virginia and the APA is huge. It's just, everybody is focused on the abortion issue and states' rights. That is just one salvo in a series that are coming down from the Supreme Court that are aimed at corralling the power of the administrative state. And it's what I've been outlining is, is the legal basis underpinning this. It's a strange situation. I find myself in my little window in Virginia, surrounded by some major conservative powerhouse thinkers uh, that I'm not going to name, but lawyers, et cetera. And uh, we've kind of been hanging out over the weekends, including on the 4th, which is, I guess, part of why I got gout. Um, uh, we'll leave that uh, dog asleep. But, um, but uh, Kavanaugh and uh, so the, the recent the court appointments that uh, were put through under Trump, uh, including at the Supreme and at the upper level district courts, that was intentionally designed to pull in people with some of the top expertise in administrative law. Everybody was just focused on the abortion issue, but it was really about administrative law and uh, states' rights and bringing the uh, um, administrative state to heel. And I think we're seeing some progress. I think that we have a light at the end of the tunnel. And, uh, and it, it's gonna be a hard fight though. I mean, you're seeing the, I don't know if you saw Tommy, uh, this is just a great example of, of the hardball they're playing. Not only did they put uh, my friend Peter Navarro in leg shackles when he flew into Reagan, uh, ostensibly about January 6th, which he had nothing to do with, um, but uh, then they swatted Steve Bannon. Now, a lot of your readership or listenership may not know what swatting is, but you probably do. <laughs> yeah, for anybody listening, it's, it, it's, it's, it's basically a, a, a false attempt to, some people call it a prank. I think it's much more, a, you try to make it look like an accidental state-sanctioned murder where somebody calls in and goes, uh, Tommy Kerrigan has a bomb in his house and he's holding a little girl hostage. So a SWAT team comes and kicks down my door. I don't know they're coming. So I open the door and I'm holding a, a milkshake and I'm like, how are you doing? And they put two between my eyes. So in the case of Steve, the call was put in that there was an active shooter in his house. Um, and fortunate, I was actually on the uh, waiting to do a hit, a pre-record for Saturday, last Saturday, um, when this came down on Friday. 
And uh, it kept getting postponed, kept getting postponed. The producer was didn't tell me what was going on. The backstory was apparently Steve Bannon was out for a walkabout in his neighborhood. And somebody called in this active shooter to 911. SWATs came in. And fortunately, Steve came walking up the drive, the uh, um, sidewalk and said, what's going on? <laughs> and and he, was, he was the consummate gentleman. I think he handled that really well. Uh, and all's well that ends well, sort of. But the, co- the SWAT team was all over in his flat, his three, four f- floor flat. And now we have um, uh, CNN is about to roll out a major hit job on him. This, this is the administrative state fighting back. It That's what we're dealing with. It absolutely is. Tommy, I wanted to chime in internationally. There's been a few more signs of cracks in the wall. Ontario Health Minister Kiernan Moore yesterday was on uh, a tape, a small press briefing, saying that parents should weigh out the risks and benefits of myocarditis or childhood vaccination. That caught everybody. That was a bunch of people sent that to me. We have the health minister for Denmark, uh, Domso, who's said that uh, it was a giant mistake to vaccinate young people. We've had the abrupt resignation of Boris Johnson uh, with over 90% of hospitalized and those who have died, sadly, with COVID fully vaccinated. Uh, There's been announcements out of Thailand, uh, incredible instability in Sri Lanka. So we're having a mixture of uh, destabilizing events and then evidence of cracks in the wall and then some more uh, police state terror coming down. And, 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 and there isn't uh, a more active time in the news cycle. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Bolsonaro came on Tucker Carlson and said, listen, I didn't take the vaccine. And here's the reason why. Uh, you know, we're starting to see this happen. The media is aligning. Today, I was on Emerald Robinson. And uh, she wanted to actually, Dr. Malone, she wanted to know about our lawsuit against Twitter. And she goes, the reason why I want to know is that I've been banned from Twitter and other media people have impatience. And I said, yeah, our lawsuit and Alex Berenson's lawsuit and and these things that are happening, they are, in a sense, bellwethers for all these other little people out there who have been now under this grip of uh, totalitarianism in the United States. Oh, Peter, one other thing that you and I both missed uh, mentioning is the shout out to the French parliament. Uh, In a fascinating move, there was a coalition of left and right that came together to vote against the uh, vaccine passports that uh, Macron had tried to put forward. And then one, if I can, just uh, one small personal thing, you you and your viewers may recall that I've had two years now of press attacks saying that I didn't invent the mRNA vaccines. and there's a uh, Nature article that just came out that has a timeline that explicitly says I was the first. Yay! It's a small win, but I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and let me just put a punctuation mark on that that French vote. <clears throat> it was an enthusiastic vote against Mexico. It wasn't just a mild yes or no. I mean, it was raucous. So, Tommy, what we're seeing is really, I I think, a change. And and so many people now are starting to figure this out. They want to come down on the right side of history. And there's people in the media like you and and, and so many 
uh, who, in a sense, have been on the right side of history. At least they've been fair balance on things, right? Uh, and they're going to come out of this fine. Uh, the others who are just advancing this uh, uh, this agenda, basically against the will of the people, uh, in the end, they're going to lose. They they always do. And uh, Dr. Mullen, you're about to say something. Uh, yeah, the other little thread that we haven't touched on, of course, is the Dutch farmers. Oh um, yeah, and that's catching fire. Um, and uh, now we've learned that they put in place uh, policies quite a while ago to start stripping farmland from farmers in Canada. I mean, this this is a major power play. And just to recap for those that aren't following it, the Dutch farmers are basically in the middle of a, a vice uh, play by their government to take their land and use it instead of for productive agricultural purposes, some of the richest land in the world, by the way, um, a major, major food exporter to North America and the United States, one of the top, and they want to convert that land to housing for immigrants. The thing about farmland like that, bottomland, once it's converted, you never get it back. Right. What One thing I did want to bring up, and I don't want to, <clears throat> I, as I told Dr. McCullough earlier, and I always will play devil's advocate, there is one idea that I that I saw a while ago, and it is kind of a creeping feeling in the back of my mind, and it's uh, it's called the rug pull theory, and the idea is that you have everything play out the way we've seen it, you then have the inevitable tide turning, the good guys, the government did it, they can't cover it, they're censoring it, there's backdoor collusion, they're vaccinating babies, their blood clots a foot long. <laughs> The idea is to completely strip global trust in the existing government. And then that's when a new hammer comes in and says, hey, your state, your national, your governments don't do it. Look what they just did to you with the vaccine. Come to us. It's called the rug pull theory. I'm not sure how much I believe into it because that's several steps ahead. So this is a, this is basically a false flag strategy that you're talking about. Yes. And it's one thing that I'm. I'm, I love I love conspiracies. I love wild thinking. This is one thing I'm not entirely in on because for France, for example, it doesn't it doesn't work out because that's the government correcting itself. It's supposed to be your grandparent. It, it's your grandparents telling the your mom and dad to punish you. And then when you get punished, they come to the kids and they go, see, mom and dad suck. Why don't you come live with me? That's kind of the idea. But it doesn't really make sense because you do have some governments correcting itself, as we're seeing with SCOTUS domestically. So but just for everyone out there, it's more of a don't take your foot off the pedal. Don't don't stop just yet, because these are slimy, shadowy people. And I just I would rather be wrong and go, oh, no, we won than than to start to get fat and happy and content. But, Tommy, I think so. I'm now all in that functionally, not only we, do we have the administrative state has captured the executive branch. Um, and it, once you kind of wrap your head around that, you can see press and other things basically serving the interests of the administrative state. That's, that's the master dog here. That's the Mastiff. And um, I'm, there, I'm pretty confident that a large fraction of the intelligence community is basically functioning 
as an enforcement operation and yeah. propaganda arm of the administrative state. That's yeah. who they are protecting. And you can see it in how the press reacts to stories. It's again, it's this, we, you can see them by their shadows. You can see them by this characteristic that whenever you get close to something that really matters to them, then they react disproportionately. Uh, I have a friend that calls it the electric fence around truth. Um, uh-huh. And if you touch it, you get shocked, right? Um, uh, oh, and by the way, along those lines, I've, I've uh, really enjoyed some of the nastiness coming at me from Google about the uh, um, whole storyline of mass formation psychosis, uh, uh, particularly as my friend Matthias Desmet now is looking to come uh, to the United States shortly and has been doing a lot of, of interviews. And so we need to get you uh, and Matthias hooked up just like you have here with Peter. That would be amazing. That would be absolutely amazing. Uh, you know, just like there's been contributions on the clinical therapeutic side, uh, clearly in understanding the vaccines, there's been contributions on the population sociology, psychology side. I think he's contributed greatly. Uh, Mark McDonald has a book out, The United States of Fear. Desmond's book, uh, Psychology of Totalitarianism, is excellent. I just read the English version of it. Uh, we can't wait to read Dr. Malone's book. Uh, all the books uh, play a, a role. They actually, they're so complementary. None of them are du- duplicative at all. And, and they really are, uh, are helping people understand things in, in a framework. Some of them need to be read a couple of times because there are so many references. I, as I mentioned earlier, I, you know, I read the Bregan book now, I think for the third or fourth time, I wrote the introduction for it. But uh, wow, you know, 36 pandemic planning events. Uh, uh, ahead of time uh, uh, for coronavirus pandemic. Uh, 25 of them generated documents. Six of them were in-person te- uh, televised filmed meetings, uh, you know, to see all this laid out. You know, so there was preparedness for this, right? Whether it was an intentionally released or not, it's a separate issue, but there's preparedness. We could go into monkeypox and smallpox and understand there's a preparedness for this. Uh, Tommy, you pointed out there's preparedness for other things. There's preparedness for, for aspergillus spores, for instance. I chaired a day safety monitoring board one time for a uh, biologic that was going to protect us against a nuclear holocaust. So I know that the, our government has preparedness activities going on. But when we have something come to fruition, like SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus COVID epidemic, the questions do arise in the preparedness you, you, you know, how prescient is this? And uh, and the collaborations do have to be questioned, including this one, which is deeply uh, seated in uh, communist China. It, it, abs- it absolutely is. And, and for anyone that says that's too wild and that's too conspiratorial, anyone watching this podcast was probably also alive watching uh, us justify the invasion of Iraq for WMDs. It. It's right there in the rearview mirror. It's right yeah. there that they will lie to your face. Russiagate is what? It, it's been about a year since everyone realized it was totally fabricated. It's happened right here. I mean, in Iraq wars, that's no light thing to lie about. That's $5 trillion. That's five or 7,500 U.S. servicemen and women, 1.5 million civilians. They did that. Are you, are, you really, are you really doubting that they might release a virus? Dr. Malone, I cut you off. No, you didn't. Oh. Uh, 
so so I I agree. We have to uh, come to terms with the fact that we have created a monster, a biodefense industry uh, that is now another major arm of the medical uh, pharmaceutical industrial complex with tight ties to the intelligence community. I don't know, Tommy, if you saw that uh, piece that I put out about ARPA-C funded to $5 billion, which is clearly a socket that's been built between the IC and the NIH. Why does HHS need to have its own $5 billion new institute at NIH for basically uh, doing biometrics and other things like that? That's not about health. Um, that's we 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 you have to come to terms with the data and i i'm going to tell you bobby i mean tommy on this pod you know i haven't spoken about it publicly jill and i have been really troubled by what we've been reading and learning about mr biden and uh it's like nobody wants to touch that it's a third rail they don't want to address what does it mean with the Hunter laptop and the cell phone and all of this other information and the diary from his daughter and all of that stuff. And uh, I, and then, and Jill and I were really wrestling with what do we say about this? Because if you look at it just as a, a scientist, you know, trying to make sense out of the data, you have to say, there are all kinds of pointers here that this gentleman is compromised. Absolutely. Um, and uh, then Tucker Carlson, bless his heart, this last week came out with a half hour of just laying it down. Anybody that has not seen that clip, um, they need to because Tucker just blows it wide open. I'm now on board. Our, our president is compromised. He, it's honey. It's a combination. I'm pretty sure. It's a combination of financial compromise and honey trap. It's well, I mean, again, it's if you ever want to take down the United States, you cannot do it tank for tank, gun for gun. It's too large. You have to infiltrate. You can't invade. You if you know you want a David and Goliath, you're not you're not fist fighting them. You, you, you got to hit them from a distance. And again, you you have to come to terms with it. It's a dark thing to come to terms with. But it is the most efficient way. It's the stealthiest way. It's not a bomb. It's not a missile. It's one person, one point of failure, and you have a son smoking crack and taking pictures with underage hookers. Yeah. That's and how I, you... I, Jill and I are, uh, the press is all trying to pitch this, that it's Hunter uh, who has corrupted his father. Yeah. Um, I think you got to flip the script. I think the data suggests the father has corrupted the son. Yeah. Yeah. He's used the son for money laundering and as a surrogate, as a capo to do his bidding. Yeah. And again, it sucks to look at. It's easy to go. I don't want to talk about this. No, this is too, this is too much. But at a certain point, you have to look at what is happening. What other logical conclusion is there? You have to come to Occam's razor and eventually go, is this all happening by accident? Or are all these things leading to one thing? Inverted totalitarianism, power flowing upwards, wealth flowing upwards, cracking down on civil liberties, censoring anything, ostracizing everyone, seizing the land and resources. I mean, I know... 
I know I get it. it yeah, Tommy and lizard people in the center of the earth. Yeah, it's an easy way to discredit people. The term conspiracy theory was created by the CIA in the 60s to discredit people. You have to look at the raw data. You have to look at what's going on. And at a certain point, it's not to be hyperbolic, but it's like what they said. Oh, my God, I can't believe a small plane crashed in the North Tower. And what's the what's the universal line from anybody when then, then we saw the second and you have that sinking feeling. That's what it is. The good thing is, is once you come to terms with it, then you can act. And that's what you have to do. And you do have to look at the bright side, because if you're just black billed, you'll crawl into a hole and do nothing. But you also have to realize what it is you're against. You can't put your head in the sand. You can't do isolationism. I don't want to look at Hitler. I don't want to look at Imperial Japanese. Then Pearl Harbor, and it's at your door. At a certain point, you have to look at what's going on. At a certain point, you have to yeah, look in the mirror and go, yeah, man, I've, I've, I've got a real gut going on. It sucks. You got to hit the treadmill. But once you do, you can start making progress. And that's my little uh, motivational speech. Tommy, we're going to have to leave it there. I'm going to have to sign off. But that was sure. a great uh, that was a great ending. Uh, I thought you summarized a lot. Dr. Malone, such an honor to be on with you. Thanks, Peter. Thank you. I'm so going to head out too. I got to I got to uh, be on uh, stage in a few. So right. thank you. Tommy. Okay. For the Tommy, Tommy, make this the picture, the well, fun, the book good. for everybody listening the, the courage to face COVID-19 by Dr. Peter McCullough and lies. My government told me and the better future coming by Dr. Robert Malone coming. Google says September 27th, 2022. But I also realize Google hates you. So I have no idea if that's accurate. Okay, gotta go. (laughs) Thank you so much. God bless you both. God bless America. Stay safe, everybody.